You're listening to SBS News. The daughter of an elderly earthquake survivor in the Turkish town of Elbistan visited her mother in a local hospital. Rescuers pulled her Tiz Korkut from under the rubble, where she'd been trapped for over 72 hours. The 82-year-old survived temperatures of around minus 15 degrees Celsius. Farah Dormaz couldn't explain how her mother managed to live through such severe circumstances. On the first day, my youngest sister with her three children were rescued. On the second day, rescuers pulled out the bodies of my elder sister with her husband. It was so hard. I mean, I couldn't stand it and told my brothers to rescue my mother too. They said they were looking for her. I never lost my hope. I believed that she stayed alive. Miss Korkut was immediately fitted with a neck brace and rushed to hospital, where doctors later removed one of her legs. Thank God, on the fourth day we have seen my mum again. Thank God she is okay. Just one thing, her leg was injured and they cut it off. Around a dozen people have held a silent demonstration in rebel-held northwestern Syria. They're protesting against the slow international response to provide help to quake victims. One campaigner said that even by the fourth day after the earthquake struck, still no assistance of any kind had reached the area. Lawyer and activist Ahmad Mando is questioning whether racism is a factor. We've reached the fourth day of the earthquake. More than 90 hours passed and rescue teams are still trying to save some lives and no kind of assistance has entered the area. They haven't provided us with air bridge, neither any heavy equipment. The borders are open with Turkey, but why this inaction? This inaction is weird and strange. Where is the duty of the international community? It's a racial discrimination. The UN World Food Programme has begun distributing food to affected areas in Syria. Trucks arrived in the cities of Aleppo and Jindiris, and hot meals were distributed to thousands of people. But the head of the WFP in Syria, Ken Crossley, says access has been very challenging, as some of the quake-affected regions are active war zones. One of our biggest challenges right now is not the transport, it's not the food, it's access. Some of the people hardest to reach are in places where there's ongoing conflict. We need the people who are in these places. We need to be able to reach the people who are in these places where there's conflict. Gaia Pedersen, special envoy of the UN Secretary General for Syria, is calling for more international support. We need support to go in to the northwest. We need support to go in to the areas under government control that have been particularly hard hit. Aleppo and Hamar was mentioned. And we know that some support is already coming in to the airports in Aleppo and indeed also to Damascus. He says every moment counts and that US and EU officials have promised their support. We need to do everything to make sure that there are no impediments whatsoever to the life-saving support that is needed in Syria. And I've been discussing this in particular with representatives from the United States and from the European Union. And they assure me that they will do whatever they can to make sure that there are no impediments to assistance coming to Syria to help in this operation. UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak spoke at the University College in London to people raising money for quake victims. He promised the UK will show its support. I, you know, it's been amazing to spend some time with the students here at UCL who have come together to organise donations for people in Turkey who are affected by this awful tragedy. And I'm sure this is being replicated across the country. I, 
it's really hard, actually, to comprehend the scale of the tragedy that has happened. Almost 20,000 people have lost their lives. I mean, I, as a dad, watching parents try and find their young children in the rubble is heartbreaking. And we will do everything that we can to help Turkey. I already said that to the president when I spoke to him a couple of days ago. And what the government's also said is that we will match all of the country's donations pound for pound. So if anyone can give to the Disasters Emergency Committee, then the government will match your donation pound for pound and we can get that extra help to Turkey and Syria too. Mr Sunak said he spoke to his Turkish counterpart about providing aid. He says the UK is providing equipment like tents and blankets and funding for humanitarian teams. So I spoke to Turkish president a couple of days ago, told him we'll do everything we can. The most impressing thing that he asked me for was search and rescue teams, which we sent earlier this week, 77 specialised search and rescue teams who are on the ground, first responders trying to help find people who are trapped by the rubble. Uh, We're also sending thousands of pieces of uh, equipment for people to just be safe in the short term. So that's tents, that's blankets, that's clothes, it's sanitation equipment. And we're also providing extra funding to the White Helmets organisation in Syria who are providing humanitarian assistance on the ground. But we will continue to do what is required to provide support. But it's inspiring to be with groups like this here at UCL amongst the students who are organising donations from communities. It's fantastic and that's why the government's keen to support as well. Turkey's Disaster Management Agency says more than 110,000 rescue personnel are searching for and helping victims. Tom Kennedy, SBS News.